stand to fly I'm not that naive I'm just out to find the better part of me I'm more than a Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Oscar Watch Podcast, the only podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja. Joining me, as always, Amy Thomason. And Amy, this is the big one zero zero episode 100. Beep, 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 dance party! Yes, we made it. Folks, you have been with us for a hundred episodes now. Two other ho- two other co-hosts. We're on our third co-host right now. She's not going anywhere. She's sticking around. We love her. Thank you so time. much for <laughs> thank Amy. Thank you so much for 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 being a part of this adventure. When I started it two years ago, I had no idea I would meet someone uh, as knowledgeable and as fun to talk to as you. And it's been a joy having you on here, and I'm glad we can celebrate episode 100, which I'm calling the Incredible, for reasons that are obvious, uh, with you. And uh, yeah, folks, you've been with us. Thank you so much for telling your friends. Thanks for reaching out to us and telling us your thoughts on it, hitting us up on social media. It's great. It's wonderful. We hope to continue to bring you more lookbacks at Best Picture winners. Tell you more about the movies that we think should have won. Why weren't some other movies nominated? And of course, more foreign and, and animated films in general. We're gonna keep this going till uh, we keep going to two hundred at least. Let's shoot for two hundred and then see how we feel in another roughly two years or so. Oh, I'm ready, man. I have more than a hundred movies I can talk about. All right, because I think I think we definitely have more than one hundred movies to talk about. We have and more movies oh, that are going to be coming out. I know they're good. In that time, there's going to be more best picture winners that we can discuss, or best picture losers that maybe should have won. And it's all it's all sunshine, it's all rainbows, it's all good. And uh, well, anyways, uh, let's just get down to brass tacks. Uh, I had not exactly planned this to be the 100 episode, 100th episode, but the sequel is coming out tomorrow. So I thought, well, why don't we look back at the 2004 Best Animated Feature, The Incredibles, which uh, I know you have feelings on, but we're going we're gonna to discuss those. The Incredibles was written and directed by Brad Bird. It stars Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Jason Lee, and... Samuel L. Jackson, voice talents of, that is. And Amy, what is your history with The Incredibles? Before re-watching it for this podcast, I saw it one time in the movie theater. Way back, way back when, huh? Way back, way back when, and I've not seen it nor thought about it since. Okay, okay. That is not surprising to me. Don't surprise now, uh, of course, uh, this is, folks, this will probably be the one and only time we can actually have a legitimate excuse to talk about superhero and comic book films on this show because literally Yay. none of the other comic book movies have ever won an award, exception of Dark Knight, which one's that supporting, and we'll talk about that hopefully maybe sometime in the future. But right now, this is really, this is really... 
Yeah, this, like, but this, this really, this is like a legit, a legit winner. So, what is your history and familiarity with superheroes and comic books? They are not my thing. They're not your and, Okay. And, but let me say this: I can't, and I don't judge people who are super into it because I have. Men, all of the people that are really closest in my life are super into comic books. They've done Comic-Con. Brian is our former guest host. Brian Hartz is super into that kind of thing. I remember I helped him uh, do his Wolverine makeup one year for Halloween. Oh, he'd be a good Wolverine. Yeah. He was a very good Wolverine. And he has, we couldn't see him, but he has really thick hair, so I got to do the cool hair. Yeah. So they're really into it. So I don't. I don't judge it. I don't look down on people and say, oh, well, that's just frivolous and silly because we all have things that are frivolous and silly. So I don't mean it like that. It's just I don't really get anything out of them. I really enjoyed the Tim Burton movies. I really love them. They are legitimately entertaining. I enjoy watching them. If they're on TV, I watch them again. Everyone's going to hate me, but Jack Nicholson, I think, was the best Joker. He was, and he was, he, he was a great Jack Nicholson in, in the Batman. And and um, Michelle Pfeiffer was a great Catwoman. Definitely. Although this is a total random side note, Julie Newmar was also very cool, and I found out that she also has a child with Down syndrome. So when I read that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have a connection sorta with Julie Newmar." Yeah, sure. But I liked those movies. I thought they were fun. I liked Danny DeVito as the Joker. Like I said, I went to those movies. I enjoyed them. I went to, and I've seen Wonder Woman. I've seen The Dark Knight. I've seen one of the Avengers movies. I really tried to be like, this is the one. This is the one I'm genuinely going to like. But with Wonder Woman, it was like some mythology story. And then it became like a fish out of water. Like, oh, haha, she's walking through London. Isn't that funny? And then it became like a World War One movie. And I was like, what? All, it was sort things. of like 18 it... different genres at different points of the movie. There was no even flow to the I movie. Like I, I enjoyed that about Wonder Woman, and I'm not big on Wonder Woman. But, you know, they're not your thing. That's cool. I uh, Personally, I, I have to disagree about the Burton movies. I don't think they're – I think they have a great style to them, but their stories are ridiculous. But the style is very strong. I think it's also I've fallen way out of love with Tim Burton. He's a very one-note director who is not all that actually made a lot of actually legitimately great movies. Although the although Batman Returns I think is the better of the two, but it is certainly missing uh, the great Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Uh, I don't. I, I, mean, I, he, hmm? I don't understand why I like those movies and I don't like the other ones. I don't know. You know it's it's uh, why did, why does one love somebody the person the person that you love? You know, it's it's hard to say. You're you're one is attracted to uh, things or certain people. One loves. Why do you like love Peter O'Toole? I mean, it's obvious why because he's handsome, talented, so English. Yeah, we, and, and you talked about it ad nauseum in, in, hey, in the past but you know you like you love you love peter o'toole some other people might not love peter o'toole and that's yeah, that's okay is it was a little weird because peter o'toole is great sure but you know <laughs> i think i think some of the i think some of the superhero movies are are great if you don't like them that's fine you're not just you're not as long as you're not disparaging what uh somebody likes 
because because of that, and that's I think I think that's more important, and we can work from there essentially. Yeah, I myself are a lot of fun, and they don't go to the movies to think and have their minds blown or whatever. They go to enjoy it, to watch cool things on a big screen. Yeah, and that's great. And that and that is a legit reason. Maybe it's not the the best reason. Maybe it's a reason. Sometimes even I find silly. Sometimes I am watching a, I'm watching Deadpool two and going, this is this is absurd. But it's I laugh, I have a good time. Baby's not there. Like oh, this is this is joyous. This is joyous. I myself, I like the. I am a big fan of the comic book movies. I even have a bunch of comics hiding around here somewhere. But I cannot say I am the most well versed in their uh, lore and genre like certainly going back and could have a grand discussion about the ideas and themes that uh, have been passed down through the ages certainly the golden age golden and silver age which is kind of when the incredibles take place 60s 70s they're about spy game sort of cold war era uh, shenanigans as it were but i dig them I dug the latest Mar- uh, Avengers movie. I am looking forward to seeing how they're going to get themselves out of this one. And on that note, I suppose we should talk about The Incredibles after the break and the Oscars it won. Stick around. Don't feel bad about the Pixar people. They have iPod stock. They're going to be okay. <laughs> the Oscar goes to The Incredibles. Yeah! Red this is the first Academy Award and second nomination tonight for Brad Bird. Hey, you two. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I, I don't know what's more frightening, um, <laughs> being watched by millions of people or the uh, hundreds of people that are going to be annoyed with me tomorrow for not mentioning them tonight. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I just want to thank the holy trinity of Pixar, uh, my good friend John Lasseter, uh, uh, Ed Catmull, Steve Jobs, for making the greatest uh, studio on the face of the earth. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank my producer, John Walker, and uh, Dick Cook, uh, and the great Disney marketing team. You know, animation is about creating the illusion of life, and you can't create it if you don't have one. Uh, so I, I want to thank my wonderful crew for the creation, and I want to thank uh, uh, my mom, my dad, uh, my wife, uh, Liz, and my kids, Jack, Michael, and Nick, for uh, giving me my life. I, I love you, and, and thank you. Doing things slightly differently today. Normally, we don't talk about the best animated film of a year until we've talked about the best picture of that year. However, special circumstances do force our hand. The Incredibles won Best Animated Feature at the 77th Academy Awards on February 27, 2005. The Best Picture of that year won, went to Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby, of which we have opinions. I see Amy frowning and looking very, very angry about the whole thing, and I look forward to discussing the <laughs> nominees of that year, but not right now. So got to slow your roll. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to all of these by the end. 
Right now, we're focusing on Best Animated Feature Film. Incredibles. Brad Bird picked up his first Best Animated Feature Oscar for this film. He would later win for Ratatouille as well. What were the, what was its, uh, what else did it win? Uh, it won one other one and was nominated for one, uh, one other one. What did it, what else did it win? I was nominated for two other ones. Oh, two, oh. Uh, it was nom. it won Best Sound Editing. Yes, it did. It nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Best Sound Mixing. Oh, yes, it's right there. Yes, Sound Mixing. Okay, I, that is why I, that's why we have a second person around to tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Yes, indeed. And, folks, generally, if a animated movie gets nominated for any one of the screenplay awards, and is the only one that was nominated, it is probably going to win. Uh, so, kudos to Bird for, for picking, picking that up. Best sound editing, I will definitely give it to that, because they kind of had to make all of these sounds for this movie. People always forget that, oh yes, every, literally everything about a CGI film is created, and with the sound, certainly with the futuristic sounds that occur here, one does need imagination to get this. And, uh, so uh, I think that is actually a very well-deserved win, and two very well-deserved nominations as well. Indeed, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not feeling, not feeling yeah. screenplay or sound mixing. What are your thoughts on sound mixing? I have no thoughts on sound mixing, so I'll take your word for it. Okay. And this is not to disparage the sound mixers of the world. You do an amazing, wonderful job, and your work, it just flows so seamlessly in a film that it is unnoticeable, which is how it's supposed to be. Okay. Best screenplay? Please. No. No? Mm. Do you have, do you have something? Especially, and if it won, I would have gone insane because it lost... To one of the greatest screenplays of all time, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I don't think anything, nothing was beating Eternal Sunshine that year. So this was a well, it's oh, one of nice. amazing, completely original movies I have ever seen. It is unlike every other movie. You can feel oh, this is a little derivative of that, or this is this was inspired by this. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of the very few, a hundred percent, completely original. Why didn't I think of that kind of idea? Indeed, um, I would I would agree, and I look forward to discussing it on our should have been a contender. I believe it is one of the few films that we both said yep. That is a movie that should have been nominated for Best Picture. But we aren't here to, we aren't here to discuss that. Though I am curious, what, alright, Incredibles not nominated for Best Original Screenplay. What movie gets in? I don't remember. I don't have my list in front of me. I don't know what else was out that year, but... Alright. Just, like, I was shocked when I saw that. There's just... I don't know. There's something really special about it. Uh, Eternal make... Sunshine or Incredibles? Oh, Incredibles. Something really special about it that you don't see? Yeah, I just, I, I don't see why it would have been nominated for Best Screenplay. Oh, it's very, it's, uh, you know what? Its structure is very, very tight. And one, I will, I, I will give animated films, they have uh, some of the tightest structures because time is very much money in their case. And reshoots are a pain in the ass. It was up against two other films that year. What were they? Shrek 2 and Shark Tale. Okay. Shrek 2, I think the best Shrek film. 
Uh, I, I recall having very fond and warm memories of that film. We I have really discussed the original, which won Best Animated Feature, uh, the first one, uh, two years yeah. before. But uh, Shark Tale, I don't remember anything about. I think it's based, I think it's, is it The Three Amigos? No, that's not Three Amigos. It's something other. Do you have any feelings about those films? I liked Shrek 2. I thought it was cute. I wasn't disappointed when I saw it. I was just Tale, I don't think I ever saw. Yeah, it's one of those. DreamWorks was trying to be Pixar and doing a lousy job of it. DreamWorks was trying to be Pixar the way Image Comics was in the '90s was trying to be DC and Marvel. They were they were trying too hard. That's a comic book reference. I will have to take your word for that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know it's like trying to be hip, and they were they took the. I took the Shrek model of pop culture. You know, these these are both these are both uh, DreamWorks movies of pop culture references, and went to town the first, the first basically the, in the two thousands until they finally said, wait a minute, maybe we should make something that's a little more, a little more timeless and less contemporary, to better our chances of uh, of winning. And they have won several since. This was during the. Time of Pixarian dominance in terms of best animated feature. I think six of eight went to Pixar, and like several in a row. The only two different ones were uh, original Shrek and Spirited Away. It's still the only non-CGI animated film to win best animated feature, which also feels wrong to me. And uh, we, of course, will... on that one, too. You what? Folks at home, give that episode a listen. They did do Spirited Away as we well. They did. That was, that, was, that was way back. That was one of our most uh, applauded and most retweeted episodes, if I recall. I want to talk about myself, if I will. And I do. And I do. Uh, yeah. And that's all I got on the Academy Awards that year. Although, Amy, I'm going to put a pin in this one. Talk about Million Dollar Baby. There's going to be a lot of feel like snarky, kind of just like fun with you. And I'm looking yes. forward to it. I'm looking forward to that. Because I like boxing movies. I like Clint Eastwood. I should like this movie. Me too. Yeah. And just, you know, just, I just, but you know, it has been a while. Maybe time has changed me. That is why we do this show. And on that note, we are going to take another break and come back and discuss The Incredible. Amy, what is the plot of The Incredibles? Um, a family that has gone out of the business of being superheroes is thrust back into being a superhero. May ensues. There we go. I like it. I like it. Uh, yes, it's um, 
It takes place in the late 60s, early 70s. There once were, was a world full of superheroes who now have gone underground due to, uh, shall we say, legal reasons. And uh, one family in particular is uh, targeted and forced back into action when the world is in danger. Use their powers for the greater good. Now I would like to read you a quote. There are two novels that can change a bookish 14-year-old's life. The Lord of the Rings and Atlas Shrugged. One is a childish fantasy that often engenders a lifelong obsession with its unbelievable heroes, leading to an emotionally stunted, socially crippled adulthood, unable to deal with the real world. The other, of course, involves orcs. Now, how oh, familiar... You're going to get me started on Ayn Rand. I am going to get That's you started on Ayn Rand. Down. How familiar are you with Ayn Rand and her politi political theory known as objectivism? Social theory, actually. I am going to summarize and quote a very, very good friend of the family. Okay. I did not read Alice Shrugged. I Who could? It's very Captain fucking long. Okay. Also known as the one about the architecture. <laughs> when I was reading The Fountainhead, which is, I think, probably the only book that I read that the way that the characters behaved was so off the charts, not real at all, that I've never hated a character ever in literature the way I hated Dominique Freikin. I wanted her to be, like, chopped up and, like, tortured and, like, thrown off a bridge. I hated this woman. Nothing she did made a lick of sense. It was just awful. Friend of the family, who was a very intelligent woman, in my opinion, said, it, you can only really read Ayn Rand when you're young right. and idealistic. When you are older and you realize that none of her things could ever actually work in real life, that's just what happens. Because people twist her work to be like, oh, she thinks capitalism is great. No, she thinks pure capitalism is great. She doesn't think screwing over the other guy is a good thing. She doesn't think people getting advantages over other people is a good thing. She thinks, like, meritocracy, like, the best is going to succeed, and that's that. Right. And she also didn't believe in God, which I think is really interesting how, again, politically, they really twist a lot of that around to be like, oh— I'm her ideal. It's like, really? Because she didn't believe in God, and she was, like, pro-choice and all that stuff. So she was pretty liberal. She was, in, in some ways, she was uh, anti, uh, whatchamacallit, anti... Um, Everything. Yeah, well, I mean, she was anti, like, government meddling. She just said, you know what, if everyone behaved in their own rational self-interest, the world would be fine, but that's not how the world works, so we need some sort of oversight to it all, but really, it really comes down to there are special people, and if people and if the man would just get out of the 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 dude who runs the trains, just get out of their way, so the special person can just run the do the trains wherever, whenever he wants to, so he doesn't have to. So he can just be the best John fucking Galt that he possibly can be. Then there would be no problems. Yes. That runs. But, uh, that runs. But she doesn't take it is greed because in her book these great noble people aren't doing it 
for money or for this. They're doing it because they're just great, and all they want to do is purely create great things. Right. She and doesn't take into account that people who do this also have greed, and they don't build it to the best that they can. They build it on the cheap to get more money, and they rip people off. That's not how the world works, though. No, that is not how the world works, but uh, it, you, you might be wondering, guys, are we talking about a family movie here with like superheroes and stuff? And yes, we are, but there have been many criticisms leveled at The Incredibles and several of Brad Bird's works, including Tomorrowland, that say he is, uh, they are uh, objectivist and libertarian propaganda because. While it's fun to talk about, there is there are, there is some truth to it because you have these very special people, Mister Incredible, Elastigirl, Frozone, who are out saving the world, basically unchecked by any regulations, just doing their own thing, and then when something bad happens, when one dude like kind of breaks his his arm. Suddenly, the man comes in and says, hey, special people, you can't be special anymore because that's not how the way the, the world should be. And I'm sorry, we got to hold you back and send you into hiding. And it becomes sort of this objectivist apologia because saying like, well, if we, just, if we didn't have these special people, then the world, then the world would be in trouble. And we re really should just give them as long a leash as possible because they're going to save us all. And that it, it does bring up issues that have been abounded in uh, the comic book Watchmen, and in a lot of the uh, some of the Marvel movies, especially the Captain America, and saying that are superheroes actually a good thing for us? An unchecked, completely non-governmental peacekeeping force that answers to really nobody but themselves. Do we do we want that in this world? Well, in Ayn Rand's perfect view where everybody is pure and has no selfish motives, it sounds great. But in reality, human beings are deeply flawed and selfish, and they don't just want to build the best building, Howard Rourke. They, you know, it things do get so corrupt because she doesn't take corruption into account. And yeah. I could give a million yeah. examples right now, but I don't want to alienate possibly some of the audience yeah. members. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how but many libertarians we have listening. Is in our country, in our country, the best and the brightest are not necessarily the people that are in power. Right. The people, the people that are in power are the ones who want to destroy the institution they work. It's very odd. It's very odd. And I'd rather not get into that right now but know that it's um I, I guess i just hate them i hate them so much anyways anyways um but all right getting back to the movie and we'll and we'll we'll, we'll touch back on this subject a bunch throughout the rest of the episode uh i will say that like jaws watching this movie again made me appreciate the craft and the structure of it the first again the first 20 minutes which is the uh, the extended the extended scene of Mr. Incredible's wedding night where he say you know saves a bunch of people saves a cat saves a jumper stops you know somewhat foils a 
bank robbery, gets married. We meet Buddy, the or Skippy, the the little the little sidekick character. All of that is brilliant pacing and editing and storytelling because it establishes everything you need to know. You even meet the villain. Skippy later becomes the villain Syndrome because he's been you know scorned by his idol. I think that this is a very tightly wound and crafted movie, much like many of Brad Bird's films, Tomorrowland accepted, which is not that good. He knows how to craft a narrative that zips along and doesn't have that much fat to it, like Lion Giant, like Ratat Tui, like Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, what are your, um, not being familiar with all of the, the superhero stuff and whatnot, how does the first 20 minutes really feel to you? It feels like the beginning of a superhero movie. And is that a bad thing? If that's your thing, you're going to like it. Okay. If you're me and action, action, action isn't your thing, it's fine. Is it just action, though? The movie doesn't feel long. It's it's paced well, and it's an action hero movie. Right. It's an action hero movie, but there... Something, something I like about this that is, in, especially here in the beginning, and feel free to disagree, I encourage you to, the action isn't just mindless action. It's, it, every, there always seems to be important character moments to that. Would you agree with that? That you learn yeah. something about the characters, or the characters, more importantly, learn something about themselves. But aren't most... Uh, comic book movies like that though there's a big opening sequence and you learn oh this, that's this guy and oh that's this guy and he's the good guy that's the bad no, guy no not not, not not necessarily not necessarily like that and but and yes yes we do you one action does have to take the place of uh you know it's 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 quick route storytelling and whatnot but there are there are moments where the family like later on are violet and dash the kids violet uh i assume would be called ultraviolet you can turn invisible and have force fields and dash who is just very fast. They are learning about their powers. And I really like this. There is something very fun about seeing the kids learn their powers and in a way learn who they are. And I think that's what their stories kind of is. Or they're allowed to embrace who they are truly after having spent all of this time holding it holding it back. And while it may have some weird objectivist overtones, Randian, Randian tones to it, it's still a lot of fun and it makes for an exciting an exciting sense of I can use I can use this to influence the world and fight the bad guys. Use it to kill the bad guys, but that's another thing entirely that we will kind of shy shy away from. Well that's something I think the movie did really well is capturing the personalities of the children because when i saw this this came out 2004 so it's over 10 years ago so i i was obviously at a different place in my life but teaching middle school especially with the girl with the hair in her face and she's looking at the guy and he says hi and she like she says you know she's looking at him and she disappears because she's she's all shy and tries to hide that's very sweet and that's a very real character trait of a teenage girl we have this image now that all teenage girls do is like flaunt themselves and take selfies and stuff but that's that's not everybody and i thought that that was a little bit of realism i also thought that 
the dad having a midlife crisis was very real that he wants to go back to being a special guy and that struggle that he has but the bad side of that happening in some ways it's a good thing in some ways it costs it costs him his family but he ultimately gets it back because this is a film and it's it is a fantasy but that risk is very real and i also thought mrs incredible is such a badass Miss Incredible is great because she's putting up with all of all of her husband's crap because it's and her kids and and her kids at the same time. Who Mr. Incredible is not really helping because Mr. Incredible is checked out. He's pining for the glory days. He's full on midlife crisis. And, and, you know, but he, you know, since he's the he's the main character, he he gets us into the plot. He's also kind of the reason for a lot of the bad stuff happening because. Is ultimately just uh, as most comic book superhero movies are. It's about uh, it's a white guy power fantasy. In this case, it's a middle aged white guy power fantasy, and you know he uh, suffers no real consequences for his uh, his, ab- his leaving of sort of quasi abandonment of the family, because ultimately he learns that oh he gets the he gets them back, and that time he thought he they were were dead, which was tough certainly. You know, I think that helped make him realize it, but ultimately, it's fine because you know you you learned you learned lesson that your family is very important. In fact, the most important, more important than uh, superhero work. But when you can be super, the family that slays together, stays together. It now still, get, it still gets to be a hero. So in reality, didn't didn't quite learn so much. <laughs> no, didn't quite, and that's that's certainly not how reality actually happens. When you know the the guy in the midlife crisis leaves there's uh there's some stuff and i did i did i did, I did appreciate that uh, mrs incredible thought that uh, there was an affair happening with mirage uh the uh the, the go-between between syndrome and and mr incredible which brings uh this is the, the the family dynamic there's a family you know we're we're, we're family folks now uh what do you what do you, what do you make of it what do you make of its traditionalness in this film. I thought it was funny. The kids getting in the fights. All those little usual family sitcom tropes. They've got the two kids. They didn't really need to have the baby, but there was a baby and they give the baby something to do at the end. I like the Because I, well, I, I have a baby. Babies are one of my favorite characters was actually the babysitter. Yeah, Kari. Her retainer. Like, she... She was probably my favorite character in the movie next to Mrs. Incredible because she was such a trip. Because my students have actually met my children, and that's how they are with my kids. Like, oh, my God, she's just the cutest thing, Miss Thomason. Can I babysit for her? I would just love to just take take her home and babysit for her. And I'm CPR so certified. I'm taking classes, and I got her. Exactly. And I, I was the babysitter, so that kind of brought back some some memories i thought the little boy was annoying but little boys are annoying let's be be real except except your son who's adorable except my son who's perfect but um i liked the teenager i liked the way that they did the teenage characters Mm -hmm. i thought they were really funny are these do you feel like these are actual characters, actual people, or more just archetypes of? Oh, you know, definitely teenagers? archetypes. And is 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 that is and is that necessarily a bad thing? A lot of times we say, "Oh, it's just an archetype, just an archetype." Like it is, um, like we're trying to disparage it. 
But is, well, can you be an archetype and have it be like decent and you know, worthy of the plot? It is decent because the reality is that it's a cartoon about superheroes. So you don't really go into it expecting much, and I know that sounds really snobby to say, but I'm not going in there thinking it's going to be this deep, profound movie. And to be honest, and I'm owning this, I did not pick up on the Ayn Rand philosophy Ooh, watching. I just thought the mom is – I watched it, and I was like, okay, the mom is awesome. But if you think about it, she almost gets her comeuppance. At the end of the movie, it almost looks as if she was wrong the whole time because she was the one who's like, we got to stay down. He can't join the track team because he'll win. And at the end, it's almost like, even though she's done the majority of the fighting and the risking of her life, mm-hmm. and she's not fighting or risking her life for glory the way the dad was. The dad was all about the glory. Because right. I need to feel like a big hero. And the wife did it because she had to. And her, what she had to do was a lot more than what he had to do. And it was all his fault. It was absolutely 100% And so at fault. the end, he still gets to be a superhero. And his attitude is almost like, oh, see, honey, I was right all along. We are superheroes and we should just embrace it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, honey, I love you and you're right. And Come to think of it, that kind of pisses me off. Well, I mean, it's in in Disney. A lot of times, you reinforce the conservative family values of patriarch is the one who leads leads the way, and everyone else kind of falls in line with it. Learning maybe can be learned some sort of lesson here. But um, I want to want to just go back briefly to what you said about you know it's 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 a cartoon. So you're not you're not expecting much, but I would actually disagree that uh, with regards to archetype, this is a cartoon that does things very well. And uh, now the next question is: I think I know the answer. Have you ever read Alan Moore's Watchmen, a graphic novel? No. Fancy word for a comic book. No. Okay. Okay. What Alan Moore's Watchmen? I know what a graphic. Oh, which, I yeah, all right. Sorry, sorry for the name. Sorry for the name. I know what they are. I just don't. You don't read them. Okay. Well, it is. Uh, Traditionally considered uh, the greatest comic book ever written. Uh, it is so monumental that basically folks have argued that after Watchmen, they should have just stopped making comic books because nothing nothing's going to be greater. And additionally, there's nothing you can say anymore because what Watchmen does is really it deconstructs the entire comic book uh, mythos, ethos, genre. Everything, everything about it. You can learn. You like. You can read Watchmen on its own, and it's a phenomenal story. But to really fully appreciate it, you know, it, it helps to have seen, uh, to read, all of the Golden and Silver Era Age comic books you know, from the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, before it came out. And what The Incredibles does, and surprisingly, what The Incredibles does before, because comic book movies hadn't become the big thing that they are now. Incredibles does it pulls a Watchmen essentially and deconstructs the superhero movie before we really had a ton of superhero movies to deconstruct and that's where the archetypes come in. You don't need to we don't need to have these very specific characters because that doesn't actually work for it. What Brad Bird does, he does create these stories that can they comment on these stories with stories themselves. Which, you know, 
what Ratatouille is about, you know, cooking and, you know, being true to oneself and, you know, the, you know, creator and the critic and the, that, that battle. And it's, it's, it's very good. I love Ratatouille. Ratatouille, I, I, I can't wait to talk about Ratatouille, but what Incredibles does, it, it breaks down the comic book hero movie before we had the comic book hero movie. And that's where the archetype comes in. Uh, those, those, uh, there's the great scene with Edna Mode, the costume, the costume designer, scene. which, which, Side note. She was based on Edith Head. Yes, yes, she was. Edith Head and voiced by Brad Bird himself doing a, doing a, doing that. Uh, there's a, there's that great scene with when Mr. Incredible is talking about like, yeah, I love this new uh, this new costume's gonna have a cape, and she does the no capes uh, <laughs> thing, and you, and you have that quick quick sequence of all of the bad times that you know capes have gotten people into trouble. That's actually yep. pulled directly from Watchmen, although Brad Bird says he he never read it. It's just one of those. One of those things that sort of was a, was was a was a coincidence, but it's he's able to take the he's able to tell a compelling superhero story while also saying superhero stories are kind of are kind of silly in a way, and that's that's that, honestly that's where that's why I like uh, Edna Mode's character. She's able to she's sort of like the chorus. She's sort of like commenting on on a, on a, a, a few of the symbols. Of of mm. what it means to be a comic book, and uh, yeah, it makes the it makes the Incredibles, and I and I agree. It's I don't know if it's aged as well, but it makes it more than just your regular comic book movie, which is and most comic book movies are just trying to be comic book movie. They're fun, they're surface. There is something else going on here with the Incredibles, whether it's deconstruction whether it's Ayn Rand so I so I, I can't dismiss it entirely out of hand but I will say there you know there's it's got it's got some good stuff going for it is there anything you do like about the movie or are you all just sort of eh about it I really am kind of eh about it I mean I and I think it's because I know people who like loved this movie it's okay. It's still not my favorite. I there were some good points about it. Like I said, I liked more of the non-superhero part of it, where it's the dad going through like this is it. This is yeah. my life. This is boring, and the kids, you know, little girl being shy and all that stuff. That's that's the part that I liked about it. That's the part I thought was relatable and that I could connect to. And the you know the fantasy aspect of it, and again, it's fantasy. I get that you're not supposed to be able to really connect to that part, but at the same time, it just it didn't really do a lot for me. All right, getting into the technical stuff, you've seen you have seen other super live action superhero movies, yes, Avengers, etc., Batman. Uh, yeah, I saw Wonder Woman last year. I saw Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman last year. Do you think because of its nature? as a drawn medium that okay let me rephrase does the incredibles work better as an animated movie than say the avengers as a live action movie or wonder woman as a live action movie i guess again i it's hard it's hard for me i i i really when i I'm so lukewarm about this movie because it's not like it's a terrible movie that I can be like, oh, this was so terrible. Like when we did How Green Was My Valley. Right. But it's like, sure, make it a live action movie. Yeah. No, I, I, 
I'm gonna argue. The, the, the animation and stuff, it was nice. I don't think it was anything crazy remarkable, but it wasn't awful either. It's great animation for 2004. I, I guess what I guess I guess I guess what I'm thinking is that the design of the of this and the the stories they tell because in superhero movies they're very ridiculous anyways. There's weird stuff blowing up all the time. I think they work better as animated movies. This is this is a great this is a great and this is a great superhero movie, which does not necessarily translate to a great movie itself, but it's a great superhero movie because it's all everything is so seamless. There's nothing that stands out blatantly as ah, like oh you have live you have Robert Downey Jr.'s face in this CGI metal husk and that well cool doesn't look seamless. Not every this here because it's all animated. It looks like an entirely self-contained world. It looks like a real place, as real as a uh, as an animated world. Yeah, could CGI be. doesn't look real to me. It looks like CGI. Yeah, which yeah, which but when you're when you walk into an all CGI animated movie, you go, okay, I am, I am, I've set my sensors for this, and it's it's okay because it's all going to be like that, with the exception mm-hmm. of like Lego Movie or something with that brief moment of live action brilliance. Um, what do you make of the? Oh, design? that's gonna be a yeah. That's that's gonna, that's gonna be, be a fun one. I think concern. I might have I think I might have written something about that. That movie's amazing. What do you make of the production design? Like how like how how Brad Bird has designed the world of The Incredibles. We can definitely talk about that, whether from a uh, more than just a. Eh, or a yay perspective. It it looks it, like you had said. It looks like a James Bond movie, and it did look a lot. They had a lot of the visuals that you have in superhero movies. At the end, when there's the big eye and they're running, and you just see their shadows in black, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I find the when you go to the island and stuff. That was cool. Yeah, I find the design of the film to be very uniform and i what i like is the world's fair-esque nature of it you're in this you're in this world or it's 60s or 70s you know we don't really don't really know i didn't get that feeling from it and i don't know if i don't know how i missed that i did not get 60s or 70s from this film i mean, I, got, I got this like retro this retro look with the the cars and the phones and the houses the 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 developments where where they are where they live, every everything everything screamed like old school. But there's still those moments of futuristic tech, or rather futuristic tech that they imagined in the '60s, like in 2001. Like Epcot Center. Like yeah, like like Ep, like Epcot Center and all that stuff. We're, like this cool freaking island fortress in a volcano with this like railway system, like that. It doesn't. It feels anachronistic, but I like it because it just the world is so well thought out. I in some ways that uh, that it just you just you just you have to you have to fall in love with it. You go. This is excellent world building, and Brad Bird is is nothing if not a great world builder uh, in in all in all of his Brad Bird Brad Bird written films, even uh, uh, whatever. Film that Tomorrowland is. 
more like tomorrow rain, but it's not that good. But either way, we didn't uh, we didn't get to talk about syndrome. Uh, voiced by Jason Lee, he's the he's the Who villain. I love Jason Lee is someone I get passionate about. I love Jason Lee. Now let me tell you my history with Jason. Okay, Lee. let me tell you. Let, let's hear. Let's I hear. Saw, I saw the movie Chasing Amy, which was also my first Kevin Smith movie. Wow. Right okay. before I left for college, then I went to college, and this guy was like, "Oh my gosh, you've never seen Clerks or Mallrats," and I was like, "Who is this Jason Lee guy? He's so funny." I loved him in Say Anything. I Not Say Anything. Not Excuse me. Almost Famous. There we go. Saying Anything. Almost Famous. Every line he says is amazing. He's got such a great voice and such great presence that I'm sad that he's not in a lot more than he is. Right. Yeah, he was in My Name is Earl for, for years and years. Which was great. great. Which was a great show. Right. But, you know, but we Jason are, Lee, we want you back. We we do want you back. He does. Uh, I think he does a great job as because he he has that fanboy voice because you know he was in Mallrats and you're like oh this is just basically playing himself. We want to talk about syndrome in particular. Is syndrome wrong? Like does does syndrome have a point about you know why should only you, Mister Incredible? have all the power. Well, according to Ayn Rand, screw syndrome. But in reality, we're all syndrome. And that he wants to help, and he's still like, no, I work alone. I work alone. And how syndrome points out, like, in reality, you can't live like that. Mr. Incredible, even if he doesn't need syndrome, he needs his family. But but also but also like why because because you have powers you have the authority to do all this I can make powers I have built all of this cool stuff without needing whatever you know uh, they, they they never explain where the powers come from whether it's natural whether it's an explosion I'm just gonna assume it was kind of, everybody was sort of born this way so it's more of a innate mm -hmm. genetic like this is this is just who this is just who I am like. What gives you the what gives you the right to say that I can't help when I can do all of this, but oh I but I wasn't born this way so, fuck you, it's kind of like syndrome's methods are reprehensible. He does kill all of those superheroes in a cunning, terrible test of strength and powers and how to how to how to be superheroes, etc. But he. You know what? Why? Why not? Why can't we just all have these these powers? And if we, you know, if we, you know, the, you know, the line is, well, if uh, if everyone's special, then no one's special, which is echoed by Dash as well, and kind of one of one of the one of the themes. And it, it it's never quite resolved because there does have to be the the, the struggle between the the special people and the non-special people. I, I think, and it never. I, I don't think we quite res resolve that because ultimately we're like, oh, well, it's, yeah, Syndrome was was a madman who was a murderer, and yes, he's what? a madman. But at the same time, Mister Incredible is probably one of my least favorite characters in the movie. Okay, like I get, like he's the catalyst for all the action. At the same time, though, he's an ass. Right. And he's not a very good husband or father. No. And, I mean, Syndrome has, 
like you said, has a legitimate point. He's like, even if he doesn't have innate superpowers, he is obviously like a super genius that he can come up with these things. And isn't that a superpower? Right. Itself? Yeah. Isn't that you know you know he's rich and as we have learned, like dude, money is the best superpower to have. You can have any superpower at that point. But again, his his methods are deplorable. His methods, we're not supposed to agree with him. We're, yeah, but. we're not, but. At the, at the same time, my wife hates this movie because she doesn't like Mr. Incredible. She thinks Mr. Incredible is an ass, like you say, because he's he's this he's privilege personified because he was born he was he was born super strong and that's all he's got going for him and that's is he, he doesn't oh he's so beyond. whiny he's such and a he's married to like the coolest woman who ever lived, and he should be on his hands and knees every day thanking whatever god he believes in that he's married to such a cool, awesome woman. Right, yeah, you know, who's voiced by the incredible Holly Hunter. Uh, you just love her, and but she she would not watch this movie movie with me again because she just wanted to just get angry. And I gotta say, I kind of I do somewhat see her point. They muddle they muddy up the waters enough where. Syndrome's a, like he's a bad guy. He's he's gonna steal a kid at the end. Like you can't come back from that. Before then, crazy hair. Yeah, but he's he's oh he's he's fantastic. I hope somebody cosplays cosplays Syndrome uh, at all the Comic Cons. Truly, I do. But you know, folks, what do you think? Tell us tell us your thoughts on uh is is does Syndrome have a legitimate point about? Superhero about superheroes and their powers and what gives them the right in a democratic society to go about and just do shit themselves willy nilly with no oversight. Amy, The Incredibles. Did The Incredibles deserve to win Best Animated Feature at the 77th Academy Awards? Yes, but with an asterisk, the other two movies weren't that outstanding that year. So sure. Sure, I will, I will say that, yes, The Incredibles does definitely deserve to win. I'm not going to put an asterisk on that one. Uh, I think it's I think it's good. I don't think it's great anymore. Uh, it is a solid bit of, you know, espionage and action and superhero uh, storytelling that has a few fun things to say about objectivism, you know, human nature. But it's uh, ultimately, like, still just a, a good time. Uh, it's a good, it's a good, a good family movie for when your kids are a bit older, and yeah, it makes it, parts make me smile. There are some good jokes, and the design is impeccable. But uh, are you going to go see the movie? I is am going to go see the sequel. Uh, you know what? The sequel, I believe, has Mister Incredible staying at home. As a as a, as a stay at home dad, and since I am a stay at home dad, I want to see how they are going to fuck it up, and how they're going to just play to the lowest common denominator, uh, like uh, he's bumbling. I don't know what to do. The kid has powers, but I also have to change his diaper. Nonsense, because we're very good. At, I like I like I'm very good at my at my uh, chosen yeah, uh, chosen job. That really, that really makes me angry. Is the men can't change diapers and stuff because my dad changed my diaper my husband is a wonderful very hands-on father 
a very it's a very easy thing to do. It's it's just it's it's lazy shorthand writing for it. But I'm also it is it is Brad Bird. He's he's back. He's writing and directing the sequel, which comes out tomorrow. So I am relatively kind of I'm 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 hopeful, but I also want to see like how they're going to be looking down on the dads of Dale. Uh, just with that. So uh, you 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 gonna you gonna go check this out or not? Yeah. Yeah. The whole <laughs> Amy, the, Amy's entire feelings. Yeah, I can't. I, it's very hard for me to work up emotions about this movie, and I work up emotions about everything. So you do. it takes a lot for me to not get emotional about things. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a fine movie. If my husband and I are bored and we just kind of want to get out to the movie and there's nothing else playing, I would see this before I'd see the new Solo movie. There, feel free to send hate mail. Wow, <laughs> you can send hate mail to. Uh, Oscar Watch Podcast at gmail.com or a Thomas at 11 uh, Twitter. And be sure to write, hit us up on social media at Oscar Watch Pod. Next week, a movie that I think we should have no problem getting emotional about. Foreign language winner, Cinema Paradiso. Hmm. A movie for those who fucking love movies. As a, as a former projectionist, I can't wait to see this again. You are a projectionist. I was a projectionist. I'm going to I will, I'll tell you all about it next week. I'm looking forward to this, so check it out. Yeah. Write us. Listen in. Tell your friends. Thank you so much for being with us for 100 episodes, and we look forward to having you for the next 100. Thank you all so much. We could not do this without you. Thank you for making it possible. You like the, you like us, you really like us, all of those cliches from every Academy Award speech. Thanks to the producer, me. Thanks to the writer, me. And Amy, of course, thank you so much for for coming in and helping out. We, yep. I am so appreciative to have you I around. It. I love it. And we look forward to for do, doing this again for well into the future, shall we say, to infinity and beyond. And on that note, folks, next week, until then, we'll see you. Incredible mind, I'm so overwhelmed. How did my brain conceive them? A snow white dove in the pitch black night. A raindrop falls from tremendous heights. A wave crashes off of a cliff in Scotland. A child bites an apple, but the core is rotten. TV is free, but what is the cost? We had GPS, and yet we're still lost. A carrot in the desert, a camel in the garden, a man with giant ears begging your pardon. What if a garbage man was actually smart? A common misconception that we're tearing apart. Into a dog, dog food is just food. Into a sock, a Mansion's just a big shoe. <laughs> a milk dud sitting in the acid rain. A house cat addicted to the cocaine. No teeth, unlimited floss. These are just a few of our incredible thoughts.